We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1 a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Deal Dash and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius, and we have an actual Lakers basketball game to discuss. The Lakers beat the Clippers 103-101 to in the first of the eight seeding games. We got to see our first real games in the bubble, and it was not always pretty, but Lakers pulled it out. I'm glad it worked out the way that it did. So in this first segment, we're going to talk about this game, our impressions of just this game and the whole experience of watching a bubble game. And then after the break, we'll talk about what we learned from the four matchups between the Lakers and Clippers, uh, with many people suspecting that this is not the last time they will play each other this season. Um, So, yeah, man, we had our first bubble experience. There were certain elements like the the endgame situations were super weird, right? Not having fans and the buzz in the arena. Um, But I... I enjoyed it. They played, they looked very sloppy and sluggish at times. If they do play again, they certainly won't look like that. However, it ends up looking, it won't be like that. Uh, but yeah, man, what were your takeaways from just this uh, whole new world we're going into? I mean, the sloppiness really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I thought 
this felt more like the scrimmage environment mm-hmm. than, you know, like we talked last week and we sort of noted, I think both of us, and I think this is something that from all the analysis I've I've read from the scrimmages, and I think a lot of people were surprised about just how good the teams mm-hmm. looked in, well, in the scrimmages. And this game looked like, Okay, did they even play those scrimmages? Yeah, I expected <laughs> like, the scrimmages to look like this. No, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the point that I'm trying to make, apparently not very effectively. <laughs> they were just sloppy and turnovers. The Clippers had a ton of turnovers. Um, I thought the refs didn't necessarily help mm. with the flow of the game. Um, a lot of, I don't want to say ticky-tack fouls but they just didn't let the teams get away with very much um Mm -hmm. and then on top of that there was a bit of inconsistency with the whistle um I felt like when guys were stationary like there was um handsy stuff that that was called but then when guys were on the move not as much sometimes it, and, and so it was a tough game I felt like for the players to adjust to from a from a whistle standpoint and then I also just felt like a lot of the guys especially um the guys who have the ball in their hands a lot as offensive initiators I felt like they were just sloppy with it. LeBron the passing was, the un- passing was really like passes at knees, and this wasn't just the Lakers, right? We're not, you know, the Clippers were going through this too, but that's where no, I no. The Clippers the most. had a lot of turnovers. Yeah. Like I thought, the Clippers were even sloppier than the Lakers in a lot of ways, um, just in terms of how often they were throwing the ball, just just out of bounds and at people's feet, and. and throwing bullets when they should have been touch passes or like just a lot of just uncharacteristically off ball handling and passes for guys who actually have played in the last week and a half or so, right? Like this really did look like the the games that I expected to see like last Wednesday and Thursday and not tonight on opening night. But it is what it is, man. Like, the Lakers, in the big picture, I thought played okay um, and really well in some short bursts with some interesting lineup com- will, will combinations. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts about whether or not you thought some of these performances were like outlier performances or if you think that they are sort of building block performances, like specifically from a couple of the bench units and some of the lineups that Vogel threw out um, when one of the stars was off the floor. A couple things on that end. The two guys I think of when you ask me that question are Kyle Kuzma and Dion Waiters. That's great because that's who I was asking right. about. Yeah, we, we've been doing this together a while. Huh. Um, Kuz was remarkable in this game. That was elite two-way wing play he played in that game. Um, great, great game. Man, the, the switches on Reggie Jackson, the length to bother Kawhi in ways that... Remember Kawhi just raising up and it happened a couple times in this game on KCP just going over the top like... I'm watching it going like, how can I be mad at KCP? What what am I mad at? That he's not 6'8", right? And seeing the development defensively from Kuzma this year, it's why I haven't been as 
low on him or as hard on him as a lot of people have been because while he his jumper he he had made like eight of his last fifty two threes before the the stoppage of play and you know he hadn't been offensively the player we'd hoped he'd be but he'd grown so much on the defensive end which was really where we needed him right like that's really where well. It's where we needed him to improve to stay on the court, right? He'd been the guy that yes. when we were switching, and this goes into our smaller lineups, which I think we'll talk about more in the second segment, that, oh, we're switching everything, where's Kuz? Kuz's man, come set the screen, we're going to go feast on him. Well, they the, the Clippers tried to do mm-hmm. that. And it didn't work out. Right? They were guarding, he was defending Jermichael Green, and... Paul George actually got him a couple of times on switches by attacking him early, mm-hmm. right? Like grab like and go. Kuz mm-hmm. was coming over, and and they ran. And Jermichael Green wasn't necessarily setting hard picks, and, and and so Kuz didn't have a chance to necessarily get in his stance, and so he was moving, and then George was attacking him, and that gave him issues uh, on back-to-back plays, and George got into the paint. I think he might have drawn a foul one time, and another time he got all the way into the lane and and scored, I believe. But besides that, look, man, you've you've been in a locker room, and so have I, and stood next to Kyle Kuzma. He is bigger than you think Mm -hmm. he is. He's he's taller. Um, I was watching the game with with my kids, and... um, my just turned nine-year-old now, nine years old. <laughs> Jesus. Um, she was saying, is Kyle Kuzma as tall as AD? And I said, he's not. But it was interesting. It was just an interesting observation from like a kid, right? Asking me that question because she said, he looks really mm-hmm. tall. And he he's is big tall. Dude, yeah. You Like he's a legit 6'9", 6'10 guy. I, I think and... he got bigger over the break too. I think he, like he looks to me like he worked on his body. He looks sturdier to go along with that height. You know, so it was very interesting to see him become not necessarily the primary wing stopper guy, but towards the end of that game, I thought to myself, man, they need to bring in Kuz for KCP. I was thinking like the exact the Lakers same thing. Needed, they were too small on the wing. And I was wondering, where's Kuz? They needed more size out there. 220, they put him back in, yeah. I actually, and it got to the point where at the end of the game, I actually wanted LeBron on Kawhi, and I wanted Kuz actually on Paul George mm-hmm. rather than on Morris because I thought George was doing a really good job of right off of the catch of attacking Danny Green's front foot mm-hmm. and... and and really sort of giving him issues off of the dribble. And, and I didn't think Green was was feeling that pep mm-hmm. in his step that he can have when, when, when he's really locked in defensively. But I say all that to sort of get back to the point about, like, that's where we're at right now with with Kuz, and, and that's how he played in this game. It, it, it was just a master – like – it's strange to say this. It was a masterful defensive performance mm. from Kyle Kuzma. From Kyle Kuzma, <laughs> like it really check was, him man. out, man. There, there was that, there was that defensive possession he had on Paul George on the right sideline. George, George had him 
ISOed up some. He tried to shake him with a little bit of, of a dribble. He went hard right hand. Kuz bodied him, and then George fumbled the ball out, out of bounds, and, and Kuz just turned and started clapping his hands mm-hmm. and ran back up court. And I was just like, he he's feeling good right now about where he is defensively. Taking pride in it. And mm-hmm. just just understanding that the ask of him now is to defend some of these guys. And, and I just thought he he played a wonderful, wonderful game. Under control, mostly offensively, which is what you want. He hit a couple of big shots. That fourth quarter corner, corner mm-hmm. three off of the oh, kick I, out I from LeBron. screamed, man. Yeah. That was just like right when he let it go, I was just like, that's, that's going money. in. Mm-hmm. And, and just a great game from from him. Let's pivot though. Dion, would you see? Yes. Just hey man. Snake and pick and rolls. He had that snake pick and roll dribble, right? And then spin move on Zubots, little flip finish. So pretty. He had he's been driving more than what I thought he would be through now four games of watching him play with with this particular group, I think he's really benefiting from playing with good screening big men and who are also lob threats because he's the pace that he plays with coming off of the pick and roll. He plays at a pace that is prone to keep the big man who is defending in center field a lot because he's staying in line with his rolling big man mm-hmm. at almost all times be because he's he's really playing at at well, at that controlled pace and the threat of the lob is there enough where the big man is not engaging him in a way that it's allowing him to get all of the way to the basket and finish mm-hmm. and if he's able to continue to show that then it's going to make his little step back jumper from the mid range even more more effective if guys start to take angles to cut off his drive it, it is going to open up the lob he's he's still taking some Dion Waiter mm-hmm. shots yeah he had some shots his selection. shot selection mm-hmm. is it, like it's still not exactly where i'd want it but it's just like when you buy a ticket to Waiter's Island you might get sunburned sure. a couple of times, and, and that's just how it goes with him. So no one's going to ask him, and if they did, I think it would be a mistake to 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 pull back or like tamp that down. I think it, it's ultimately going to be an individual decision-making process, and I can only hope that as the stakes go up, he's going to make more defined reads a little bit. But overall, I just like the the pace that he's playing with and and the offensive versatility that he's showing out there as a as a three-level finisher and and the Lakers just haven't had that from a guy who plays his position like all season and and it's just such a weapon now to see it game after game this is what I've been ranting about right just a, a guy who can give you a solid 11 points off of the bench and can do it like that move on on Zubats a beautiful play right but there he also had a couple drives where he's driving to the basket looking to score which when 
compared to Rondo, right? Uh, like stylistically, they're different, but the team is so built around putting pressure on the rim that like one of the more common things you'll see from the Lakers is a guy drive off of one of those handoffs, one of those horns plays, and get all the way to the rim and just kind of throw it up off the backboard because Anthony Davis or JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard or one of them guys are going to clean it up, right? So just like getting downhill, like you said, he's doing that more than you expected him to, but he's doing it with the intention of trying to score. And having that from the guard position is not, like you said, not something that we've had in the past, but he also brings value as a spot-up shooter, right? He had he, he hit a, a three from the wing that... He's got this beautiful high release point, and he gets some good elevation on his jumper. So I think it was Landry Shamit tried to close out, and it was a good closeout. Like, he wasn't necessarily open, but he's not going to be bothered by this closeout. And just, like, the whole looking to score goes a long way. What I didn't like, I didn't like the second quarters, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, but the second quarters continue to flummox the Lakers. We had talked about on the last pod about the lineups with Dion and JR and which ones when they'd be appropriate and when they wouldn't be. I don't think together too much is they, they both seemed like you can have one new guy in the lineup. It's hard when you have two. And I, I thought that there were some difficulties there and there were a couple, that's when his bad shots came. Right. But in the second half, he was a huge part of that smaller lineup that turned the game around. Once we pulled JaVale, um, and put Caruso in the game, Kuzma in the game, Dion came in a little bit later, um, that, that really opened up the game. He led the team with a, a plus 17. So um, in the after the break, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what we learned, and that plays right into what we were just talking about, about those smaller lineups. That's something that is a glaring, glaring part of this matchup to me that I want to get into. Let's take a quick break. We'll talk about it after that. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's a bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means that every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code LAKERS20 or DealDash.FM backslash LAKERS20. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash LAKERS20. Sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it's like to be playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's one word, promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts.
So yeah, man, Waiters was a plus 17 in this game. You know, uh, Caruso was a plus nine. Kuz was up there too. I think it was plus 14, plus 15, somewhere in there. Um, it is staggering to see the difference between how we match up with the Clippers when Anthony Davis is at the five versus pretty much any other time. We got some decent second half minutes out of Dwight. He was awful in the first half, uh, especially on the... He did not look good in the first half. He was very... This was a game where Dwight did not seem to have his normal energy. Mm-hmm. Just like, he was flat... He he played very flat-footed this game, and it showed up all over the court. It showed up on the backboards. It showed up defensively. It showed up in how he was rolling to the rim. This was just one of those bad Dwight mm-hmm. games, and... And he's had, you know, a handful of those this season. Like, sorry, I took you off topic for No, for no, no. Second, we need but, to talk about but, it but, because it, it goes into but, this. But, yeah. But he was better in the second half, and, and that shift that he got was important. And I do think against the Clippers, it is glaring at this point uh, that the Lakers do need to use more single big lineups against this mm-hmm. team. Um because what the Clippers are doing defensively when the Lakers have two bigs on the floor on offense is really cramping LeBron James. It is. And we start going into, it plays into both his weaknesses and AD's, right? Like AD had several poor post reads where he didn't hit, find the open man or turn the ball over or stumbled. Although AD was fantastic, especially, but again, it was in that third quarter, right? When he's got a little bit of floor spacing, AD can be hit two big threes. He can be that stretch five type of guy. Um, is there, is there a way to get value out of that? Cause he's not going to be able to play 36, 40 minutes at the five spot. Is there anything we can do? You think to get more out of those JaVale lineups, out of those Dwight lineups to make it, to, to make them more productive than they've been against Clippers. I mean, I think that, the, look, in the first quarter, and the Lakers played two bigs for a big stretch of that first quarter, you know, the Lakers scored 35 points. Now, a lot of that was at the foul mm-hmm. line. But and, that and could be an necessarily... advantage, right? Like, they, we're a lot bigger than the Clippers. No, it definitely can can be. I don't think that you can rely on AD getting, like, 12 sure first quarter free throws or something like that, like, like whatever it was. Um, But I think, I think the Lakers can do okay with those lineups. And I think that they can survive where, but a lot of it is going to depend on whether or not the other guys are hitting their three point shots, Mm -hmm. right? Because the Clippers are going to crowd the paint. And the Clippers are – their starting lineup is a long and strong defensive team, right? Like, you've got Paul George, who's a legit, like, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, you know, lean, small forward, and he's playing shooting guard, man. And then right next to him, you've got Kawhi Leonard, and then – Zubats is freaking big. That's a big dude. And he's got, you know, like a 7-2 or 7-3 standing reach. Like, there was a play where LeBron drove and he got up in the air like he does a lot when he gets down, well, well, downhill. He wasn't going to be able to score, so he jumped 
right? And he jumped in and he looked to pass. And when he passed, he literally threw the ball right to Kawhi Leonard. And it was because everywhere he looked, it was just arms. Mm -hmm. All he saw were, were arms. And that's where, like, can the Lakers play the Clippers even with these big lineups? Yes, I think that they can. I do think where they're going to need to stretch their advantage, though, is when they go small. Like, like I just have a hard time seeing the Lakers being so much better than this team unless they have a really hot shoe shooting quarter where it's just like, oh, well, look at this. They started five for eight from three-point land, and now suddenly they have like a, like 15 points on the board just from behind the arc because then that's going to open other things up, and they do have the ability to draw fouls and then get to the foul line, and, and that can snowball for them offensively like in a good way, right? right? But But – I'm telling you, man, the Clippers just getting that drop coverage. You know, JaVale's in the dunker spot. AD's hanging around the three-point line. They're going to make him make make that shot. And it's just hard for the Lakers to sort of generate the type of rim running. Like, just like you've said, man, they put their goal is to pressure the front of the rim. And if we've seen the same thing when this when they play the Bucks and when they've played the Jazz and when you've got these sort of big lineups that you face and then you throw out basically two modern day centers like those those teams just give the Lakers problems and it's not until they spread spread them out that things go better for them yeah I think it, it, it's a tough nut to crack to get more productivity out of those two big lineups um against the Clippers uh, the biggest way that we can is for like we need Danny Green and KCP to make their shots because yeah. that's the Clippers aren't the reason they're packing the paint is because we kill them on the inside when we get the ball around the basket. We're just way bigger and stronger than they are. And like Zoo obviously Zoo's a big dude, but he's the only guy on that roster that's like a large human in the way that our guys are large humans. And that so that's why they collapse into the paint. So just from a shot quality standpoint, I, I'm watching some of these threes. I'm like, you got to make that shot, like, it, yeah. because if you don't, that's that's what it all comes down to, right? So we we need those guys to do. I, I think one thing we could do, like we didn't see much of LeBron in the post. I think LeBron in the post is an effective option against them. Maybe we need to go small. Uh, because, you know, what is JaVale and what's AD doing, if that's the case? Maybe they're setting the stagger on the weak side or something like that. But those are really more, like, it comes down to shot making on one end of the floor. Defensively, I would like to see that lineup maybe switch a little bit more, even though that's not necessarily the bread and butter. I think we give up too much of what Kawhi wants to do with the starting lineup and same with Paul George, right? Like those are, those are elite pull-up jumper shooters where if we've got, we've got JaVale hanging back in drops, like JaVale needs to come up, I think, right? With the understanding that he's going to get beat. Yeah. We saw that too later in the year, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Lakers were getting a bit more aggressive with their big, well, big men that they, they were bringing them to the level of the ball a fair amount more defensively, especially against smaller guards, mm-hmm. 
right? Like they were doing that against Dame. They were doing it um, just in multiple games. And it was something that we had talked about on the pod that that was sort of an, an adjustment that, that they had gotten gotten to I too would like to see them switch a little bit more I hadn't thought about it but JaVale and Dwight can hang out there in space a little bit and 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 the thing is is that they're not getting switched on to like burner type guys right like Kawhi's not a a I'm gonna blow by you and I've got you know, this, this explosive move, like he, like he has that in, in his bag, but that's not what he wants to do. What, what he wants to do is sort of methodically break, break you down and then get you to a spot where he can get you off of him with his strength and then shoot over the top. Well, it's hard to knock Dwight Howard off Mm -hmm. of you. It's, it's, and, and it's hard to shoot over the top of JaVale McGee, even if you do knock him off. Um, and I think the same is true for Paul George to a certain extent. So it would be interesting to to see them switch a bit more. They're susceptible to step backs, though. That's one thing. Even AD, that's probably my least favorite part of Anthony Davis's one-on-one defense is that he doesn't get quite deep enough in a stance to where he can Kawhi step back and hurt him. And Paul George has that as well, right? And that's something that I, I think that you know, switching, you're inviting more trips to the free throw line and that they can, they can yeah. do that. So that's why, like, I'm trying to find, you know, what are the places where these bigger lineups can work? And I think the answer ultimately might be don't pay play bigger lineups as much. And that's the direction that Vogel went in, right? But I do think that, to your point, putting length on Kawhi, I think that's one thing we learned over these four games, right, was the KCP stuff, like, yeah, that ain't going to cut it. I thought Danny Green's done a solid job on him when he's had possessions. LeBron had some great possessions on him later. AD can be vulnerable to the step back, but he had a couple of good possessions. But, yeah, I think you need to put bigger guys on Kawhi. I agree that bringing JaVale and Dwight up higher is is something that they've done and that could be effective. I just worry about that's going to draw fouls on, on our bigs. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, fact of the matter is, man, is like the Clippers are a really good Mm -hmm. team and they match up in interesting ways against the Lakers. Um, and ways that that sort of challenge the Lakers to overcome some of their own weaknesses, even as they themselves are a really good team. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why I think um, outside observers are, are clamoring for this as like a playoff matchup, right? Because I think they do want to see how a series uh, with these two teams face facing off plays out. Be like just because there is a contrast in styles, and it's not just a star power. It's it is sort of this chess match, and, and who is going to pivot to the other thing? first in order to be able to get what they want and I don't know man like the other thing that needs to happen too is we talked about Danny Green and like KCP hit well hitting their threes I also think that if you're gonna play big and they're gonna go under on screens with like LeBron James like LeBron's got to come out ready to shoot the jumper Mm -hmm. and he's got to be aggressive and and Honestly, like it's not just enough to be aggressive and shoot it. He's got to make mm-hmm. a couple of them 
to to keep the defense honest. And look, he came out this game looking to pass. Mm-hmm. Like it was he had he had only taken one shot, I think, in in like his first shift. He didn't even score in the first quarter. He he did assist on four of the Lakers' first five baskets, but it's like that's not necessarily what the Lakers are going to need from him over the course of like potentially a Western Conference Finals against this team. They are going to need him to to shoot the jumper. They're going to need him to make the jumper, and that's going to keep the defense honest. And and if he's not doing that, then especially when the Lakers are in a big lineup, it's going to be an issue. We go too much to the, oh, they're sagging off and LeBron's not taking that shot. Let's throw the ball to AD 17 feet away from the basket. And that's not going to end up in a quality attempt. That's either going to end up in, or, or not as often as our other actions, right? Like that, a lot of times that's going to be a fadeaway jumper by AD. The Clippers are going to take that every time. They're going to hard double, and AD is going to have some struggle. Like that's not, that's not the best version of AD that we get. Is that now? If you've got some size mismatch, right? If you've got some advantage, sure. But if he's against, yeah, even against like Paul George, he was like the first possession of the game, the first jumper that AD took. He's not going to overpower in that way. He can go over the top of guys, but seventeen feet out, getting those touches that far out is it, like it, that needs to be LeBron to, exploiting the switches. And but that said. And this is, goes back to the value of our smaller lineups. Is LeBron got to the cup when he wanted to at the end of the game? Yes, and he did. that's the 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 Clippers and Lakers both have kind of like two different versions of themselves offensively. There's the the Kawhi Paul George version of the Clippers, right? Of these big physical pull up jumper wings, ISO one on one shoulder you triple threat type guys that are really tough to stop and in playoff basketball can be a handful although Kawhi is obviously a lot more dangerous I, although playoff uh, although you know Paul George was you know amazing in this game um but then there's the Lou Williams Montrez Harrell version of them which we did not see in this game the Lakers I think actually have more versatility and that's why their ability to change their style I think is such a great asset, right? Like that when something really isn't working, they can just go to a different style of play as they did with those substitutions of Caruso and Kuzma in that third quarter that really flipped the game around. That I, I you know, bro, we LeBron James kind of played like crap on offense in this game and we still beat the Clippers on a night where Kawhi and Paul George played very well. I know Lou and, and Trez didn't play, but they also come with like, you know, if Lou's out there, our ability to, you know, LeBron's ability to score becomes a lot easier, right? We've run a lot more of those pick and rolls where KCP's a screener. I'm sure we'll see that with J.R. Smith. That's something that was a go-to in Cleveland where he's the screen setter for LeBron and it's pick and pops and the floor is spread and all that. Um, so I, I don't know, man, like I'm encouraged over these four games. We blew the freaking Christmas game. I've been watching over the last few days each of those games over again, and I've got the melt footage, which is great. And the melts are these like extended highlight reels that are a couple hours long, where you see every every like made basket or significant play from every angle. 
And so I'm picking up things like, oh, they're trying to get Danny Green to move his feet. They, they want to get Danny Green in situations where he's having to, like, if Danny Green is defending you in a stationary way, he's, he's really good. If you get him on the move, he's not as, as good of a defender. Um, so just like learning what they're looking to do. I, I don't know, man. I feel good about this matchup and about what they're going to, what they would be able to do over the course of a seven-game series just due to the versatility. Where are you at in terms of, I'm not asking for a prediction or anything, but just like kind of how these teams match up with each other. No, man. Like, look, both LeBron and AD are sort of queens on the chessboard, mm-hmm. right? Like, they, they, they actually start the game playing down a position, right? Mm-hmm. And they are, they, LeBron is, he basically starts at point guard, but he's basically playing small forward defensively mm-hmm. most of the time. AD starts at power forward, and, and he's typically guarding a power forward or sometimes even a power wing if he has to. Then, if they have to, LeBron slides up a position, and so does Anthony Davis. And now... AD is suddenly a five. LeBron is suddenly some point power forward guy, very similar to Giannis. And those guys are nearly impossible to match up with that way. And when you talk about the versatility of them, I do think that their ability to go up or down a position, depending on what the team team needs, is what makes this Lakers team so well, so dangerous, and the way that the roster is filled in around them allows the Lakers then to play a bully ball version um, with multiple bigs or a really fast and sleek version with multiple like guard and wing types. Um, and it's tricky for other teams to be able to match up with them. The thing that stands out to me about their matchup with the Clippers is that when the Clippers go small, and I'm using mm-hmm. quotes here, um, they have no rim protection. That's right. Right? Uh, like, Harrell's gotten better at He's that. He's more positional. He's more season. like take a charge or beat you but, to the spot. But if, like, if, if you get up in the air against Harrell, we're going to win that battle. And so... And that's how LeBron can feast at the end mm-hmm. of a game, right? And so if you have Harold playing center or like they did in the last matchup before the league shut down, if Morris is playing center, mm-hmm. right, then there's really no rim protection there at all. And, and that's what happened in tonight when LeBron got that layup near, well, near the end of the game, right? It was... He was ended up getting switched on to Jermichael Green, who was the lone big man. And then the help on the backside was like Landry Shamit. And it's just like LeBron is going to score on those. Meanwhile, when the Lakers go small, right, the guys who are on the back end are still freaking LeBron James <laughs> and Anthony right. Davis. And and that's what makes them dangerous. And and. In the same way, that's what like makes the Bucks dangerous too, because when mm-hmm. they go small, it's it's like it's Giannis yeah, back there. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? That's a seven foot dude. And that's what the Lakers have with Anthony Davis. And and then you have LeBron with his physicality too. And and that's where I think if 
it's not like the deal breaker against against the Clippers. It is sort of an advantage or a card that the Lakers can play that the Clippers can't really play. That's right. They can clearly play the Paul George card and like they can play the power wing card in a way that the Lakers can struggle to match up against, right? And this is why we were, I think, excited about Kyle Kuzma's play today because he sort of brought some of that power wing mentality as like a 6'10 sort of natural power forward type or who was drafted as as a power forward but now is playing on the wing almost exclusively on both sides of the ball. And it was great to see Kuz step into that role and sort of like go toe-to-toe with Kawhi and Paul George in ways that the Lakers really haven't been able to mm-hmm. over the course of the season unless it was LeBron. Or Anthony and, Davis. And that speaks to your point, too, about, about us going small but still being big. Like, Kuzma, LeBron, AD, that's not a small front court, right? But mm-hmm. it's it, it's skilled. If Kuz is, Kuz is less, uh, his rotations have been good, but he's made more progress on the ball. But LeBron still, in, and obviously LeBron had some amazing defensive possessions, especially in the second half of this game. Um, but... LeBron is flying on those back end rotations. This is something that Caruso is great at. So like there's there's length up in the air. Even with a guy like Caruso, right? You don't think of him in this way, but Caruso can get up in the air to contest. Danny Green is fantastic at this, right? Of contesting up high. It's that that difference in rim protection where now is it possible that Kawhi Leonard just murders you from 17 feet out over and over again? Hell yes, it is. And they're a scary team, but we will be able to get to the basket in ways that they cannot if, uh, or we're going to be shooting open jump shots. And that has been the the overall theme and also why it's been so frustrating to watch us clank open jumper after open jumper. But before we went on our little run, I was like, God, what if we shot against the Clippers this year from three? And it was like 29% yeah. on a lot of attempts. It's bad. And these are it's really open bad. shots. But it's bad on one end. But from a, if you give me these these shot attempts over the course of a seven-game series, I'm going to take my chances on that. So I don't know, man. Like I, I'm feeling pretty good about the opportunities that we have versus the opportunities that they have. You know, you if you average that out over the course of a seven game series, I really think we have an advantage. Can so A, I disagree with all of that. B, it's great to talk basketball. Hell yeah. Just I like I just wanted to say that. And C, I really just wanted to take one tangent and just give props to Alex Caruso. You mentioned his name. He had some really big plays this game that were just winning plays. Like He had a much better second had, half than first half, that's for sure. Yeah, even in the first half, though, he, he was missing shots, but he was still doing important mm-hmm. things. In the second half, I thought his offense was much more pointed and directed and useful with what he was doing. He got to the foul line a little bit. He had that great coast-to-coast layup off of that missed free throw where the Clippers just looked like, what the hell happened? He just went, he drove on us 90 feet and got a layup. Um, But that deflection at the end of the game with the save, um, like on the loose ball, that was just, that's just a winning play. 
Caruso, you you know, the box score isn't always going going to be great. I don't know what he shot today. It was probably bad. He missed, I think, three or four free throws. He's got to clean that 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 up. But in the big picture, the way he contributes to positive basketball, I thought was important. And I really felt like in the second half, when the game was starting to get away from the Lakers, Vogel took out JaVale, he put in Caruso, and the Lakers instantly rattled off a quick five five points, and they were right back in it. And I thought that while it wasn't him that did it, it was the shifting of the style of play that he allowed with that substitution. And, and he matters, and he was important this game, even if he wasn't important in the same way that, like, waiters and coups were from a practical production. Right, and Anthony standpoint. Davis, right? Like, him... him sliding into that spot or and this could be true of, of someone else right it's just his like in that fourth quarter they got AC setting a lot of screens for for AD right like that's a kind of a go-to LeBron's got the ball and Alex and AD are figuring out the right angle to get you know AD coming off of a screen had AD as a ball handler a lot but having Alex is this kind of guard that does those things it really inverts the offense in ways that are makes it difficult to defend right he's the screen setter cutter from a guard position while ad's handling the ball you're you're flipping the responsibilities defensively of what those the guys that normally defend those two players are used to defending and, and so there's advantage in that as well so yeah he he had a especially in the second half he was doing some little things that were irritating me in the first half too like he he was making good plays but he was also see, seemed rusty to me um and and that's i guess my parting thought with this is that this was an ugly basketball game if these two teams play again it will look much sharper than this but it was really great man like you said to be talking basketball to to watch basketball to watch them knock a little bit of the rust off they essentially clinched the number one seed here this was the one game of the eight seeding games that i wanted to win i mean i want to win all of them right but this was the one where i was like come on let's get this one right i'm curious to see how we ramp up lebron played 34 minutes ad played 35 so while not playoff minutes, certainly close to regular season minutes. And I'm curious to see how Vogel handles that going forward. But good to get win number 50. Took us a few months longer than we thought it would, but it was very exciting. Uh, and plenty more to come. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Campbell in and out, the ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left, here's Van Exel. This is for the win, he got it! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple and a fall away in the corner with a shot knocked down. Lakers by three. Ryan's 
for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.